For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's Let's ride. For the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What is going on, Dodgers fans? Hope you're doing well out there. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. We're presented by Fansided. If you're not already subscribed, make sure to do that wherever you get your podcast to give us a five-star rating. This episode is going to be quite a doozy, and I can't think of a better week to discuss Trevor Bauer than Valentine's Day week, which is coming up. So to set this one up, All I can start with is Trevor Bauer won't be facing criminal charges. David Rosenthal, what does that mean? Well, it means that he's not going to jail. Uh, That's that's for sure. It means that the Pasadena PD could not find corroborating evidence of the woman's claims to prove that it did happen without a beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, What that means for the Dodgers is he could be back. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people thought he was 100% done as a Dodger when this all came out. Um, I think most, some other people realized that was, this was going to take time to play out. My honest assessment right now is I feel like it's 60, 40, that he comes back. Uh, it was 50, 50, a few days ago. Now I'm at 60, 40. Uh, he still could be suspended by major league baseball, but I think, I don't know. I mean, at most, I think it would be games for time served. So he would get the games he missed last year would be a suspension. So who knows? It's going to be a PR nightmare either way, frankly. But uh, here we are. Yeah. I mean, before we can really assess the Dodgers rotation, it lies in the hands of Major League Baseball and the committee to determine if they're going to hand Trevor Bauer a suspension. I know a lot of people want the Dodgers to speak out and give their opinion on the circumstance, but quite frankly, they cannot. So Jake yeah. Reiner, let me pass it over to you. Welcome to the Incliner, of course, co-hosts. Love you guys. It's Valentine's Day week. Love is in the air. <laughs> <laughs> we love you too, Kevin. Um, so here's the thing about uh, the Trevor Bauer situation. And I think that um, a lot of people uh, have been commenting you know, why did this take so long? Uh, why hasn't Major League Baseball uh, come up with its, um, you know, decision on whether or not they're going to suspend him and, and, and all of these things. And I'm going to try and explain kind of why uh, we're at where we're at. So first of all, um, the allegations against Trevor Bauer um, are tricky because you not only um, have a he said, she said type of uh case here, um, which always takes a really long time to kind of weed through. But you have a he said, she said case um, surrounding consent, 
when in in the uh, in the argument, or I should say, during this case, both sides consented to be with one another that evening. So it's a lot harder for the um, the complainant to prove that a consent was withdrawn at some point when she consented to be there in the first place. So that's a lot of what they have to weed through in order to come to their conclusion. Now, because the DA's uh, office came out and said that they could not prosecute beyond a reasonable doubt does not mean that Trevor Bauer is in any way exonerated uh, for what he is alleged to have done. And that is, that's very important too, um, to, to consider. They also considered the very public hearing about the uh, possible extension of the temporary restraining order, which um, was sort of a, a goldmine for prosecutors to be able to look through all of the evidence there um, that was public record and open and, and in the air. So basically, they looked at this, and even if prosecutors believed that Trevor Bauer did do something wrong or did do something illegal, they could not prove beyond a reasonable doubt because I believe the text messages that the um, person accusing Bauer of these things um, basically saved him in this case because it appeared as though she was um, consenting to rough sex. So there's all of that 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 they had to go through. Now, on top of that, the reason Major League Baseball has taken its time is because they've not even had a chance to talk to Bauer. They've not had a chance to interview with him, and he wasn't going to cooperate with Major League Baseball while the criminal investigation was going on. So that's why Major League Baseball hasn't come forward with their decision right now. You also have the caveat of the lockout, too, which is an interesting little wrinkle, too, which is Major League Baseball cannot compel Bauer to speak with them while there's a lockout going on. However, Trevor Bauer can speed things up by contacting Major League Baseball and basically trying to get through this as quickly as possible. And if you watched Bauer's seven-minute video, that may be something he will do because he is very adamant about his side of things. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I, I watched the video, and that was the first time we were able to hear basically his side of the story, the way he, he sees it, at least. Uh, I mean, he denied... A lot of stuff in that video. I mean, if you've seen the pictures, he denied that that was from him and from their encounter. Uh, he denied the penetration. Doing, yeah, doing a lot of you know bad bad things basically. Uh, you know, while she was unconscious. Uh, so that was the first we've actually heard him say it uh, due to the legal process. And now that the legal process is over, uh, we 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 finally got his side of the story. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he's going to go to MLB and, and try to speed this up. I can't imagine why he wouldn't. And no, it's not a sex tape, in case we were wondering. You can find that statement made by Trevor Bauer himself on his YouTube vlog. And, you know, he called it the truth. I don't know if it is the truth or not, because I was not there. But it is, at this point, pretty interesting that now Bauer is very outspoken once again. He, he uh, mentioned in the video himself, he was going to be very silent and let PD do everything they can to basically prove his case. And he was all in on cooperating. So that's where we stand in terms of Trevor Bauer. I do not foresee the Dodgers releasing him. I could be wrong. 
maybe something comes out with that. But right now the Dodgers are on the hook for 35 million a year for the next two seasons. That's a lot of money to just give someone to not play for them. Uh, trading him obviously is on the table if a team is willing to take on that salary, but that is kind of almost like a Russell Westbrook situation right now where I don't think anyone wants to absorb that contract for an uncertain player. But yeah, I think at I the mean, end look, of the- no one, no, no team is, is going to want to trade for Trevor Bauer and then deal with the consequences of the PR well, nightmare that is ultimately going to follow him. Yeah. I mean, obviously the first thing that has to come about of all this is the suspension, whether it's a 20 game week suspension, like they give to Marcelo Zuna, or they find no punishment because he took all those months off last season during the, um, whatever this is, it wasn't a suspension, but the leaves of leave of absence, I guess paid administrative leave. Yeah. Yeah. And also um, he has a no trade clause. He has a no trade clause to AL teams prior to the all-star game and a no no trade clause to AL teams after the All-Star game with 80 innings pitched or an All-Star game berth. So that throws a wrinkle in it too. Well, I hope the Diamondbacks are interested then. <laughs> go and, back to where and it started. And this also says full no trade clause if he's under Cy Young consideration in a given year. I don't okay, know, well, that's very vague, but it's yeah, a weird thing to put in the contract. Well, he's got a weird contract. So yeah, the last thing I would just want to add on this subject matter is if you were one of the people calling for the Dodgers to release Trevor Bauer, you know, the moment that all this stuff came out, I think you spoke a little too prematurely because we are still just in this weird state right now where the, the future outlook of what the Dodgers rotation and Trevor Bauer is still very uncertain, even though this was a big hurdle for Bauer in his camp to leap. We still don't know what his future ultimately with the is with the Dodgers at the end of the day. Not only that, they cannot release him until MLB's investigation is concluded. Do you so think they, that they, they will? Can't. It's possible. I could definitely see them releasing him. I could see him suiting up for the third game of the season, and I could see him being released right after the investigation. I honestly don't know. What do we think? Well... Let me ask, let me pose this question because David, you said before the DA's decision, you were 50 50 on whether or not you thought he was going to pitch for the Dodgers. Now you're at 60 40. Um, do, do you guys want him to be a Dodger? Do you want to see him pitch for the Dodgers? Cause that, that's a question that's going around a lot. And also if you read Bill Plaschke's piece, he, he believes the Dodgers should get rid of him right now, even though that's really not how it goes procedurally. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't read Bill Plaschke's piece, uh, which I tend not to, but I really don't. It's such a tough question because the Dodgers desperately need starting pitching uh, like bad. And he is an innings eater. He can go out there and throw six innings every single day. No problem. And that's something the Dodgers need. And the other side of the coin is, do I want to have to deal with the drama that comes with it? Uh, because regardless, I don't know if he's innocent. I don't know if he's guilty. I wasn't there. I'm never going to know the true story. And most of us aren't, but the drama that follows him is, is a lot. And it's not just this, it's, it's a whole thing of, you know, antics and all that stuff. And that was all fine. That was all fun and games before this happened. But if the, the end of the, the bottom line is he put himself in this position to begin with. You are a professional athlete making $40 million a year. 
the fact that you're even in this position to be in this this unfortunate situation to begin with is is on you. It's on Trevor Bauer. Uh, so look, if he can, if he can just really tighten it up and, and, you know, get his act together, even though, even if he's innocent, uh, but he still put himself in that position. So if he can get his act together in terms of off the field drama, then yes, I would like him back. I think the Dodgers are going to to take a PR hit no matter what happens. And I, and I, and I honestly don't, even before the DA's decision to not file charges, I didn't think it was going to matter one way or the other because the court of public opinion is always going to not listen to facts or just kind of go based on emotion as we as we've all seen. So they're either going to take a PR hit if they don't get rid of him, because then everyone will say, well, you knew what you were getting with him when you signed him to this record deal in the offseason. You know, you knew what type of person he was and signed him anyway. And now you're keeping him even after this next, you know, thing that that happened surrounding him. This uh, this this case that's been uh, dragged out for as long as it's been dragged out for. You're still committing to this guy even after all of that or you get rid of him. And now, you know, you're potentially condemning someone that was wasn't legally guilty of anything. And let me add to that second what if scenario. Even if they got rid of him now, you would have the same people, the Molly Knights of the world, the the perpetually upset crew, criticize the Dodgers for it being too late, even though they can't do it right now, for it being like what you said, well, you shouldn't have signed him in the first place, and for and number three, for just enabling it to begin with. So you're never going to make those people happy. So the Dodgers- It's a, it's a lose-lose, really. Either yeah, way. It, it, it is. And, and and I hope the Dodgers don't aim to make those people happy because those people are never going to be happy. If he cured cancer, if he was pure, proven innocent, uh, if he did everything in the world, win a Nobel Prize, and he was still mean online that one time, they'd still hate him. Let's go from one idiot to the next. Rob Manfred addressed the media today. He said some very interesting things. One thing that came out of his mouth was that a loss of games would be disastrous for major league baseball. But at the same time, this was kind of ironic to me. He described himself as an optimist, meaning he still thinks that the regular season is going to start on time, March 31st uh, around the rest of the league. There's a lot of doubts in that actually happening. And it's almost certain at this point that spring training is going to be delayed, but if there was one thing that we did get out of today is that Manfred basically confirmed that the universal DH is certain. Yeah. I think his comments on um, spring training still starting on time and the regular season still starting on time. is just a punt. I don't think that he wanted to commit to saying that this is going to be delayed, even though it's pretty much inevitable at this point, at least for spring training, but what I read is that they're going to wait until, you know, the next meeting, which is on Saturday, which Manfred said that they were planning on putting forth another proposal. But yeah, the universal DH is something we all knew it was going to happen. I, 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 I'm fine with it. I think we all are fine with it to some degree, just because we know that the, that the Dodgers and a lot of other National League clubs can use it to their advantage to give players rest throughout the season. So I like it for that aspect, that strategic aspect. And then the other uh, thing that came out of this was a potential draft lottery, 
which could is an not, interesting one. Could not care less about that. And also getting rid of the qualifying offers. So you won't be attaching a compensation pick to free agents um, electing to uh, turn down a qualifying offer. Apparently that was a miss. He misspoke about that is what I saw. I don't know if, if he was. That would, that would be idiotic that. if he got rid of that. Um, but yeah. Idi- okay. I, I, thought, I, I thought that I was. A I, tweets. I thought that was in connection to the. Um, the luxury tax penalties. It might've been actually, yeah, you might be right there. Either way, irrelevant to our discussion right now, because what I want to say is he said everything, right. Everything Rob Manfred said today was perfect. And let me tell you what I mean by that. He gave us hope. He gave the fans hope. He gave the players hope. And let me tell you what's going to happen in two days. They're going to submit their proposal, which the players are going to reject and then Rob Manfred's going to come out of it looking like, well, we've set our proposal and the players rejected it. So why aren't the players wanting to play? That is what Rob Manfred just did today. That was the purpose of his press conference to deflect blame from the owners and try to push it on the players. I guarantee you there is no chance they accept that offer on Saturday. Zero percent chance, negative 50 percent chance that is accepted. Uh, hopefully they can get some progress. But in terms of Rob Manfred's performance today as an employee of the owners, he hit it out of the park. They, they're they showering him with champagne right now. You have to be living under a rock if you really buy into what Rob Manfred is saying, though. And with his optimism right now, to me, he's like a man at the bar who is hoping to sleep with this chick that he literally just met. But he, hit, he didn't even get the girl's name yet. And the bartender is still making the drink. That is where Rob Manfred's odds of this actually happening are right now. Slim to none. Yeah, I mean, I, I just hope they can make some progress. Uh, I, I don't expect spring training to start, you know, in the next couple of weeks, which would probably mean a delay to the season. Uh, he said the, the thing I took away, though, is he said uh, once a deal is made, they can get spring training going within that week. Uh, so that'll be pretty rapid. Uh, and then they'll need three to four weeks of spring training. So I, I'm still setting a target date around April 15th for a season. I do think it's not going to be that much of a delay, but I think there is going to be a slight delay. All right. Well, it'd be cool to discuss uh, what the Dodgers could do with the DH, but we can't really do that because there's no free agency. But in the meantime, uh, there was a Dodgers legend that recently announced his retirement. Former pitcher Matt McGill is retiring from Major League Baseball. <laughs> I thought you were going Adrian Gonzalez. Oh, that's right. Just the other day, former Dodgers first baseman, Adrian Gonzalez, announced his retirement at the age of 39. He played six seasons with the Dodgers, the most of any team that he was under contract with. For his uh, Dodgers tenure, he batted 280 with a 339 on base, 101 home runs, 448 RBIs, 317 total career home runs, batted 287, uh, 200. 2050 hits that's that's a lot of hits five-time all-star four-time gold glove two-time silver slugger great career for Aegon. so hats off to you i think i'm prepared to say that and and max muncie could uh could change my mind in maybe a year or two given given what happens with him but i feel like of our of our lifetime he was my favorite dodgers first baseman um it, it, it's kind of a toss up between him and Eric Karros. 
um, because Karos was the first baseman that I first saw when I first became a fan, when I was born and all of that. So um, I have a soft spot in my heart for Eric Karos, but Adrian Gonzalez was what we've been waiting for from the first base uh, position since Eric Karos left. And granted, we did have Nomar Garcia Parra for that brief stint, but that was only one really good year. And so we were waiting for that. And James Loney, you know, solid fielder, solid, you know, bat at times, but not, not a prototypical power hitter and not a prototypical, uh, you know, middle of the order type of bat that Adrian Gonzalez was. And Gonzalez was great with the glove. He won a gold glove and, and a silver slugger award in 2014. He was an all-star in 2015. And just from, from the four seasons from 2013 through 2016, he averaged 25 home runs, hundred RBIs. He was a solid citizen, turned the, the culture of this team around to a culture of winning and not only winning, but deep playoff runs. He was the guy that came in and kind of changed everything uh, for this Dodgers team and for what you see this Dodgers team uh, currently today. So a great career, a great Dodger, and uh, congratulations to him. That's that's pretty much what, all I wanted to say is he was a culture changer. Uh, the Dodgers before Adrian Gonzalez didn't really have an identity, didn't really have a culture, didn't really win much at all. Uh, and he changed that. He was a rock at first base. He was an RBI machine. Uh, he mentored the young guys like like Puig, uh, like Justin Turner at that point. Uh, wasn't really established at all, and he kind of took him under his wing there. And that set the tone going forward to, to this Dodgers team to this day. Uh, I mean, his, his influence is still uh, with that Dodgers team, and he was a great Dodger, part of a good trade. Uh, I know Kevin disagrees, but he was the centerpiece or the best part of that trade. Uh, and it was a necessary trade. It, it, it started the era we see today. Butter and Eggman, as Vince Scully used to call him. The Butter yep. and Eggman. <laughs> also, the transition between Adrian Gonzalez to Cody Bellinger in 2017 was pretty beautiful. It was like a seamless transition you knew gonzalez just wasn't able to perform at the level that we knew he could perform at and then the emergence of cody bellinger uh in 2017 was just it was just great sucks that Aegon really couldn't play in that world series i know that that was a bummer probably better than uh having josh fields on the roster but whatever <laughs> all right that was our Aegon segment could talk about him every week if I really wanted to. He was just an awesome Dodger. One of my favorites too, just like Jake. Um, so this is a pretty fun topic. It was actually asked to us last week. We need to do some, we need to do some re research on this one though, because it took a little bit of time. At Dodge16 underscore 12 on Twitter. Would like us to make a team of the worst Dodgers signings of all time, position by position. Do we want to go around the table and do it like start with catchers, I'll go, and then first baseman's in the and then go, or just team by team. I think we should uh, do position. I'm good with team by team if that's cool. Cause I I kind of just took liberty my own rules. I kind of just did the I did my eight worst Dodgers signings regardless of position. Um, so I did I did position by position. So I feel like <laughs> I feel like if we start if we start I am by, the resident bad boy of this podcast. So that does <laughs> if we sense. do position by position, um, 
let's just go, let's just go down the line. And if, and if, and if we'll have similar, similar picks here, Sounds so good. we'll just yeah. jump in on, on that. All right. Sounds good. Start it off. Me. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's start with the pitcher. Okay. Um, I think we all know who this is. Uh, this is Jason Schmidt. Um, the worst in, uh, return on investment, I think ever. Um, three years, $47 million in the December 2006 off season. Um, I really loved this move at the time. Um, he was coming off a really good season in San Francisco um, and the Dodgers needed an ace and they didn't get one. Uh, he only made 10 starts in his entire Dodgers career and he put together a beautiful 6.02 ERA in that span. Jason Schmidt, just, just a really just bad all the way around. What's baffling about that signing is that the Dodgers knew beforehand that he had a minor tear in his rotator cuff and they decided to pay him the equivalence of today, 22 million a year. Well, yeah. And I, and I put that on Ned Coletti and, you know, I, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for Ned Coletti, but he used to be with the giants. So he should have known better. So I have a honorable mention because I knew we were all going to pick Jason Schmidt. I went with Darren Dreyfus. Five years, $55 million. Dude was not even proven to begin with, and they decided to extend him. And I wrote, wrote it down, I think in 2001, posted like a five ERA, missed all of 2002, and then had very minimal, appear- minimal appearances in 03 and 04 and just wasn't a factor. Yeah, he was a disaster. He could swing the bat, though. Okay, so I, I wrote down four pitchers. Uh, two of them have been covered already. Jason Schmidt and Darren Dreifert. Uh, Dreifert, five for 55. My other two, Scott Casimir, three years, 48 million. A complete disaster. Hated that guy before it even... He was horrendous. <laughs> before it took the mound. But I-, I think the worst, including Schmidt, the worst for me is Brandon McCarthy. Four years, 48 million. He only pitched a maximum of 92 innings in a season. He only, only lasted three of those years. First year, he pitched 23 innings. Second year, he pitched 40 innings. And final year in 2017, he pitched 92 innings, culminating in a complete disaster in the playoffs. Whenever we had to use him, it was a complete shit show. So, uh, yeah. so Brandon McCarthy really is, was awful. Arguably, no, not I, arguably, my least favorite pitching contract of the Dodgers. Hated I, him. Hated I think... Him. I think you're right in the sense that he he was he was terrible, but I feel like the expectation of Jason Schmidt yeah, was far was, beyond McCarthy what Brandon was like McCarthy a four was or expecting. five, and Schmidt was a one or two. The yeah. other thing with Schmidt McCarthy, was supposed to be the guy. Yes, the other thing with McCarthy is yes, he came out of the bullpen, which was bad. But interesting to me how we had him for four years, never made a single postseason start. Because he was terrible. He didn't yes. even earn it. Yeah, he was bad. Um, they just threw him a bone by putting him on that World Series roster and the NLCS roster, and he, he completely imploded. We never saw him again. Yeah, yeah I he's him. just a snarky guy on Twitter. Exactly. Yeah, for, yeah. for Freeman's worst signings, pitcher-wise, I would rank him right behind Casimir because it doesn't, it doesn't compare. Casimir was just more money, less years. Every time he took the mound in the first inning, you knew he was going to give up three or four runs. And by the second half, he didn't even pitch. Yeah. 
All right, let's move on to catcher. Well, I, I got a reliever. Oh, oh, you got a reliever. Okay. I'm, I know who you're going to say. Yeah. There's a few of them out there. Brandon League was bad, but I went with Brandon Brian. League three years, 22 and a half million. That's insane. That's bad. But what's even worse is Brian Wilson, two years, 19 and a half million. The 2013, he was cool for the short stint, but in 2014, he had an ERA of four and a half, a whip of 1.6. You could not use him in the playoffs because it was a guarantee he would give up a home run. And then they had to cut him the second year and they paid him nine and a half million to not pitch for them. Yeah. That was a similar situation with Brandon league because he, when he showed up, he was great. And they, and they re-signed him to a fat contract, even though um, Kenley Jansen became the closer anyway in 2013 and league was had a 5.30 ERA in 2013. He had 14, only 14 saves and five blown saves. I mean, he was just bad, but thank God for Kenley Jansen. He was a little better in 2014, but still not great. Uh, should we move on to catcher? That's all I got for pitchers. Sure. All right. My catcher, uh, this was a tough one because we, we haven't really signed any like free agent catchers. Um, so I went with uh, Deoner Navarro. Um, they originally got him in a trade uh, that sent Sean Green to the Diamondbacks. So I'm not talking about that. They actually picked Navarro up for a second stint, which was just, I don't understand what they saw in him the first time. Definitely don't know what they saw in him the second time. So he signed, it wasn't that bad of a contract in terms of what he provided, but they gave him a one-year, $1 million contract in 2010. And in twenty in the 2011 season, he hit 193, five home runs, 17 RBIs, a 600 OPS in just 64 games. Obviously, he was the backup catcher to Russell Martin. But in a combined three years with L.A., all told, uh, 241 average, 10 home runs, 39 RBIs. If we got 241, 10 homers, and 39 RBIs for one season as a backup catcher, okay. But over three seasons, that's just bad. 681 OPS. Also, I'm mad uh, that the Dodgers uh, traded for him and they gave up Sean Green. That was just, I'll never forgive them for that. That was just such a bad trade. I knew it was a bad trade at the time. Even at my very young age, I thought it was stupid, and it ended up just being bad all the way around. Okay, so I actually do have a catcher, and this one is quite out of the box. My worst signing catcher in Dodgers history is Miguel Olivo. Remember him? Yes. Now, you're going you're gonna to ask me, well, why? He only played in eight games and had 25 plate appearances. He bit a Dodgers player's ear off. If you remember, he what? bit Alex Guerrero's ear off oh, in a yeah, dugout altercation. Right. So, that's yes, Miguel Olivo him. is the worst signing in history he was a minor league deal wasn't an expensive contract eight games one ear <laughs> yeah that's, that's a good one right i totally forgot about that every catcher that i despise for some reason the dodgers traded for whether it was drew Buptera or jason phillips so i just went with rocky Rod gale Bras. rocky gale <laughs> 118 batting average 17 plate appearances <laughs> We can move on to first <laughs> ricochet, ricochet shot for Rocky. Yeah. They just looked like they plucked Rocky Gale right out of like a, a middle school science. I'll start with, class I'll start with first base as the, as the teacher. 
So this one's kind of a shocker because he was such a fan favorite. He had an all-star 2006 season. The Dodgers chose to resign him for a two-year, $18.5 million deal. I'm talking about Nomar Garcia Parra, who just yeah. fell off a cliff hardcore. 2007, he hit 283, but he only had seven home runs. And in t- the following season, limited 55 games, hit 264, eight home runs, very low on base both those years. Nomar nosedived quickly in the Dodgers. Had to replace him fast with James Loney. Yeah, it's hard. It's it's hard to knock though the Dodgers uh, signing Nomar to that contract after what he did in two thousand six. Um, sort of a you know, I th- it, he was comeback player of the year, right? In that year, two thousand six, or he should have been if, he, been if he wasn't. Um, so yeah, I don't blame them for doing that, but that that, that was uh, that was tough. My uh, first baseman is uh, Fred McGriff. That's mine as well. Um, you know, not expensive. Uh, this was a stopgap um, kind of move. They signed him to a one-year, $3.75 million contract in 2002. Um, he was 39, but may, have well as, may as well have been 108. Um, he hit 249, 13 home runs, 40 RBIs. 750 OPS. That's not terrible, but he only played in 86 games. And so he wasn't durable at all um, back half of his career. And so, yeah, those numbers were okay for his age. That almost mimics it mimics Albert Pujols. Yeah, that's, that's actually not a bad comparison. Um, But Fred McGriff was supposed to be the starting first baseman and Pujols was, was just supposed to come off the bench. So that's why he made this list for me. Yeah, the only thing I have to say about the crime dog is it was a brutal watch. It was tough to see him out there playing. He looked like he was 150 years old, like you said. Uh, just didn't didn't belong out there. It was time to hang him up. He was chasing five, 600 home runs, I think it was. And just 500. There. 500 and just couldn't get there. I think he ended with 493, mm-hmm. I believe. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, tough scene. All right, someone can start with second base. Go ahead, David. I did, I did not have a second baseman. All right, here's my second baseman. Mark Ellis. Oh, what? what? Terrible. Mark Ellis was his... great. Are you kidding? Okay, Listen was, to these numbers. He was decent. Oh, he was terrible. Listen to these numbers. Ready? First of all, two-year contract, $8.75 million in tw- to 2011. It's like minimum wage. He hit, okay, whatever. So we picked Fred McGriff. We only paid him $3 million. So here we go. 2012, he hit 258, seven home runs, 31 RBIs. Disgusting. 697 OPS. That's awful. And he played a lot too. He was in 110 games. Then in 2013, a little better, 270 average, but only six home runs, 48 RBIs, and an even worse 674 OPS in 126 games. You're you're okay with that production? I am. Yeah. I'm not asking him to hit home runs. I'm asking. Are you asking him to do anything? Because he didn't. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't do, he didn't produce. But Ned Coletti loves his old players. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, I I think given those teams, those 2012, 2013 teams, he was one of the bright spots in my mind. The bright spots? What are you talking about? He played solid defense and would get on base from time to time. I didn't I didn't mind him. I actually have the right answer. This should be the undisputable answer. It's there was the whole Pedro Martinez debacle, but the Dodgers chose to resign Delino De Shields to a one-year. $3.3 $3.3 million contract. He rewarded them in 1996 by batting 224 with 124 strikeouts. 
And you know what's even more infuriating? He went to the Cardinals the following season, and he completely bounced back. He hit in the 280s, had like 14 triples, was fast again. Just maddening, just that whole DeShield situation. Black sheep, in my opinion. Would you rather have Would you rather have Mark Ellis or Logan Forsythe? Mark Ellis, Mark Ellis, without a doubt. <laughs> it's Ellis. like they're the same player. I mean, no, it's like no. Mark Ellis could actually do something. Logan Forsythe was an what automatic. Did Mark, I out. just gave you the stats. What did he do? He, he was solid. He was it, okay. Solid. He hit, he, oh, hit two, he hit two seventy in his last year as a Dodger. Oh, God. That's, a, that's that's a lot of hits. Logan Forsythe couldn't even hit the ball out of the infield. Awful. Ellis had a 79. You know, if our loyal listeners out there, if you are with me on this Mark Ellis thing, please let these two have it because I just didn't get it. 789 OPS against the Atlanta Braves in that NLDS. Mark Ellis? Yeah. Yeah. He was good. All right. For, for what We're he wasting was, too he was much good. time here. Let's move on. All right. Go ahead. All right. Third base. Okay. We'll go with third base. I have the right answer on this one. I think I, I do too. I, uh, I don't think I have the right answer, but I have a good answer. And for me, it was Juan Uribe. They gave him a three-year, $21 million contract initially. His first two seasons with the Dodgers, he had six home runs. 2011, batted 204. 2012, 191. And yes, he had the resurgence in 20, 2013, but that's just contract year magic. In my opinion, Juan Uribe cost us making the playoffs in 2012 because he was just so bad. Yeah, but what did he do in 2013? I think he hit 290 or something with like 12 That's pretty runs. good. I mean, I, 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 I understand that he wasn't good every year of his contract. The only, the only yeah, good year was the three that 2013 years. year. He was no, bad 67%. No, I'm with you on that, but okay. he did produce in one of those years and he did have a huge home run in the NLDS that propelled the Dodgers to the NLCS. So good clubhouse guy too. Yeah. All right. So my third baseman I think is the correct answer and it's Alex Guerrero. Uh, four years, 28 million was supposed to be the next big thing. Uh, only saw the field in two of the seasons. Uh, one year he only had 13 plate appearances the following year he had 219 only hit 233 with 11 home runs uh was was not a good clubhouse guy as he got his ear bitten off by miguel olivo uh and was horrendous overall four years 28 million for that kind of production is terrible he had a negative war in his career never saw the field with any other team uh, at the major league level and was just overall an unmitigated disaster when did he first show up uh, Ed Coletti, league, 2014. 2014 was year in the big leagues. I remember him. I remember him being like hyped, really he hyped. Ve- he was very hyped. And I do remember him hitting a grand slam in Colorado one time. That was a big late inning home run. He had, a, he had one good month. I was there at a couple games where he was on this home run tear. But the knock on him was he literally couldn't play defense. Like, yeah. Well, he couldn't all. really hit either. Yeah. I thought they were going to trade high on him. People. thought they were going to trade high on him. I thought that's why they initially signed him to begin with, because I didn't think he was going to be anything more than maybe a utility bench player. But, boy, I guess Ned was sure wrong on that one. Um, so my third baseman is uh, Jose Valentin. 
Um, oh my god! Was so bad. this this was supposed to be the next Adrian Beltre. Like he was replacing Adrian Beltre, who the Dodgers let go in free agency to the Mariners. So they bring in Jose uh, on a one-year deal. So the contract wasn't bad uh, in 2004. And he only managed to play in 56 games in 2005. He hit a buck 70 with two home runs and 14 RBIs. That's like Andrew Jones numbers right there. A 591 OPS. Now, the thing about Valentin that was interesting and I guess attractive to the Dodgers at the time was that he was coming off a 2004 season where he hit 30 home runs and drove in 70 RBIs and was on a current five-year streak of at least 25 home runs with the White Sox. So the Dodgers were thinking, okay, Adrian Beltre goes to uh, the Mariners. We can add this guy in there. He'll add a little pop to the lineup. And he just was awful. So Jose Valentin uh, makes the list for because of that. That dude was on roids. I don't think it ever came out, but it's pretty obvious he was a – PED user just Certainly based off that decline. All right. I did not have a shortstop. So you guys take this away. All right. Shortstop. I don't even know why they made this move to begin with because they had Hanley Ramirez playing shortstop and they had Corey Seager in the pipeline, but they decided to give a five year, $25 million contract to Arisbel. I'm going to butcher this. Ara Barena who not even worth Kevin pronouncing it correctly is, is his point. Probably. What were they thinking with this transaction? And he played 22 games in the big leagues, 195 batting average of 464 OPS. And he had 17 strikeouts. Yeah. I didn't know who to pick for this. So I'm sorry to this guy. I'm sorry to this man. Um, I went with Jose Vizcaino. And I know that he he was okay. They weren't expecting much offensively for him, and he was more of a utility player than anything. Um, so I won't go too hard on this because I don't think that uh, they were really expecting much of him. But um, they signed him in December of '97. This was his second stint with the Dodgers. Um, in '98 and '99, he had a 6.24 OPS. I only hit 2.57. Um, so he wasn't great offensively. And then they traded him to the Yankees in 2000. And I believe he's still with the club as a, either a coach or an advisor in the front office. So yeah, I didn't really know who to pick Moved, with uh, outfielders and David, you can start with your three. If you want, I do. I have three. One of them is going to surprise you. Uh, one is the obvious one, Andrew Jones, two for 36 million. Uh, I'll let you guys get into that. Cause he was just a disaster. I think we need to. Uh, second one, Hector Oliveira, arguably the worst, uh, six years, 62 million didn't play one game in major league baseball at all. Uh, one of the worst contracts, they ended up trading him somehow. I think it was to the diamondbacks, uh, uh Braves, no, I think Braves. That's right. Uh, so the Braves were able to eat some of that contract, but man, that was, that was a horrendous contract. I don't even remember. He it. was on my list. Worst signing ever made by Andrew Friedman. Hands yeah, down. that was that was a disaster. Okay, and my surprising one is gonna take some people by storm. Oh God, I think I know what you're gonna say because I have him too. Andre Ethier. Yep, I have him too. Uh, five years, eighty-five million uh, extension. They gave him. Yep, they gave him that after an All-Star season. 
uh, I think this, this deal went, no, this was one year removed from an all-star season. So this was from 2013 to 2017. Uh, the most home runs he hit in those five years in a season was 14. Uh, he did hit for a high average two of the seasons, uh, but his last two years, he just did not stay healthy. 16 games, 22 games. Uh, and that was a really, really bad deal. Obviously a good clubhouse guy, fan favorite. Uh, he helped us out early on in his Dodgers tenure. Uh, but that extension was, was horrendous. I find it, I find it though. Interesting. You say Andre Ethier, when I would argue the Matt Kemp extension for eight years, once I was just about to say that I was like, you could, you could go either way here on that. Yeah. And both of those guys were fan favorites. They were able to get rid of that one though. Yeah, they were. Kind of. I think they had to pay for a lot of it. Yeah, I was. I have Ethier on my list too, um, and it made sense to extend him. But honestly, you know, he had back-to-back All-Star seasons in 2010 and 2011, um, but the decline was there. I mean, you could kind of see it a little bit. Um, and then David mentioned, you know, he hit 20 home runs once. No, the rest 14, of his 14 was the highest. He hit 20 home I, runs in, in 2012. I right, have a hard time. Extension didn't start. Until I still have a hard time with that one. 2012. I thought, three. I thought the extension was in June of 2012. Uh, in the summer. If it could have been, but then that means it would have started in 2013 because it's an extension. Oh, you're right. You're right. Never mind. But yeah, yeah. So, so 2012, he hit. Um, he hit 20 home runs, and then you're yeah. right. He he only hit 14, the next highest one after that, but. Yeah, it just it was it was so it was so disheartening too because he had that one season where he hit 31 homers. I think it was 2009. He hit 31 homers and drove in over 100 runs. And I thought we thought you know this guy was was the guy. I mean, and he was, and he was so clutch. Uh, came through so many times. And damn it, I really wanted him to win in 2017. That would have been really cool to have him as a member of that winning World Series team because he he fought back. I uh, like that he fought back through injuries to come back and he, he did, I, I think, didn't he come through in the, in the, in the world series? I feel like he had a couple of key hits. I think um, he might've had one hit maybe. You know, yeah. Yeah. He had a RBI. Yeah. But uh, so. yeah, he, it's not just the home runs though. He didn't get over 53 RBIs once over that five years. Yep. But my lasting memory of Andre Ethier is not all the clutch moments is not all the good clubhouse memories. It's that he fought back against Don Mattingly. Uh, him and Don Mattingly got into it uh, and he pushed back against that horrendous manager uh, and prevailed. So good on you, Andre. And now he's, uh, you know, he's around Dodger stadium all the time. Um, we've talked at nauseum about Andrew Jones. I don't think we really need to no. belabor that. I, but I, I have a guy. I, I just have one guy that wasn't okay. said by David. Um, Cause I had Oliver and Jones, but Juan Pierre was my other five years, $44 million. Hated that move from the get-go. I loved it. Despite playing three seasons with the Dodgers, putting up a 294 batting average, which is very deceiving because he only had a 696 OPS. One home run over those three years was consistently benched for other better players, including the postseason where he was a non-factor and barely played. And maybe the most annoying part of it all was his defense. He was lousy and he had an angel hair spaghetti noodle arm where he didn't throw anyone out. And you knew to run on Juan Pierre because, like I just said, angel hair arm. 
I liked he had he had a couple one or two seasons where he had a really high stolen base total. Um, but yeah, not 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 a great deal overall. Even though I I I always really liked I loved the combo of him and Fercal at the top. I just I just love that. Um, tra- I'm a traditionalist when it comes to leadoff hitters and number two hitters. Um, one other one I want to add here is um, uh, Garrett Anderson. Um, yeah, th- this one sucked. I mean, and he. He did sign a minor league deal um, in March of 2010, but um, so he didn't, you know, it wasn't, they didn't break the bank to get him, but boy, he only played in 80 games. They ended up releasing him in August. He had that a sounds like a win. If it's a minor league deal, a buck 81, two home runs and 12 RBIs and a, and a 475 OPS. I, yeah. I, I put him on here because just because the production was just really bad and he was at the tail end of his career anyway. Um, so Anyway, yeah, just wanted to add him in there. I can't remember if they traded for him or signed him, but Scott Posednik was also terrible. Oh, I loved him. I think they, they traded him. They traded for him midseason, I believe. He wasn't amazing as a Dodger, but man, he was fast. Yeah, he was he was a great watch. And he yeah, um not with the Dodgers. The way well, the way he performed in the 05 World Series was awesome. Okay, but that that's irrelevant to I'm just adding it in there. I'm not saying he That's was like a great saying Dodger. Garrett Anderson was a great angel. He was a fantasy right. baseball cheat code. He had 70 stolen bases one year. Yeah. Cool. All right. Next. Thank you, Steve. That was a great one. Coming up next from Sam Shear 99, getting in the Valentine's Day theme. Which Dodgers would make the best couples? And this where? Is a real, uh, this is a real segment. I thought you were kidding. And where would they have a date? So I came prepared so I can start this one off. I have three couples. Yeah, give it to us, Okay, Kevin. okay. The big one is obviously Clayton Kershaw and Austin Barnes. And I imagine that they would go out to Wood Ranch at the Grove and discuss just pitching strategy and country music. But Bledsoe's barbecue <laughs> is an alternative as well. I, I think they're barbecue men. That's the moral of the date. Next up, Dave Roberts and Bob Guerin, a couple <laughs> geezers. Where else would they go other than the Olive Garden? Because when you're here, your family. Yeah, I have not been. Right. To a- you know, you know damn well Rick Honeycutt's invited to that too. Yep. And finally, Olive Garden, great restaurant. And finally, Cody Bellinger and Will Smith. I think they would class it up a little bit. And I think I would see them spotted at a pizzeria mozza. No, your last one is, is way off. Okay. I, I, I didn't think this segment was real, but I already know mine right now, Cody Bellinger and Gavin Lux. uh, And they're either going to go paintballing or go to Chuck E. Cheese or something that requires no thinking and smash their heads together and have some fun. That's, that's it. I feel like, um, I feel like Luke Rayleigh and Sheldon Noisy would meet up at a Sonic somewhere. <laughs> Hopefully far away from Dodger Stadium. <laughs> Sonics are very far, fortunately. <laughs> I don't know why they're not really in LA, despite the heavy advertising on my TV. I don't know. It's like an in and out thing, but like reverse. Um, and then I know that we also needed to mention that Keith Law of The Athletic now ranked the Dodgers as the number one farm system throughout major league baseball. So Jake, I know you probably have some uh, takes on this. Go ahead. It's just a huge Testament to how this organization is run. 
I mean, you're, you're able to not only get top tier talent, um, whether it's on the free agent market or via trade, um, but to also keep the farm system intact. And we know that Andrew Friedman loves to hold on to his top prospects and he's pretty much able to do it um, and, and, and still get enough talent to make it to the world series and win a world series. But even still you give up Kiebert Ruiz and Josiah Gray in a trade for Max Scherzer, two prospects, which were the top two prospects for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. And you're still number one. If most teams you give up those types of prospects, they are good. They go to the bottom of the list or the middle of the pack, but to still be number one uh, in Keith Law's eyes, it's just huge. My main takeaway here isn't about the Dodgers farm system. It's about the Padres farm system. Keith Law ranked them 15th. Uh, I believe last year they were in his top five. Uh, And what has AJ Preller gotten for pillaging his farm? Absolutely nothing. Uh, he has made trade after trade, hasn't, hasn't given up his top two prospects, but he's given up about pretty much everything else. Uh, and what he's done to that farm system is a war crime. I think it violates the Geneva Convention. Uh, they, what do they have to show for it? One playoff win in a wild card game. That is it. Uh, and not really much else to be excited about in terms of, of younger prospects. They got one or two guys. Mackenzie Gore has completely fallen off a cliff. Uh, yeah, he's gone so, from the next Clay and Kershaw to probably the next Steven Matz. Yep. Uh, if that, maybe the next Chris Paddock. <laughs> who sucks, by the way, if you haven't noticed. He's the best that ever lived. And then finally, you know, just with that law ranking, if you saw his top 100 prospects, Ryan Pepio didn't even make his top 100. So he's low on Pepio and still put the Dodgers at number one. And I think Arizona was two and Seattle was three, or I might have had those flipped, but. Regardless, the I'm a little bummed are... that Cody Hosey, uh, Cody Hosey kind of fell off the yeah off the map. Yep, yep, he has. But Michael Bush is rapidly rising, and I cannot wait to see him. He has a lot yep. of power. Um, and I was just going to add that it's just amazing how the Dodgers can continuously make the postseason and have a top three farm system. We didn't have that a decade ago. We had some really elite guys, which was kind of my point a few episodes ago. You had your Seegers and your Bellingers, but you didn't—you couldn't trade those guys. But below them, there was no one tradable, and that was why the Dodgers could never really acquire the depth and talent they needed. Like I feel like if life. I feel like if Preller was in charge, he would have done that Cody Bellinger for Real Muto trade, <laughs> and would have would have screwed us for years to come. I just think that it's it's remarkable that not only do the Dodgers surrender, you know, two of their top prospects uh, in a trade and still remain as the number one farm system, but also the fact that they lost, you know, Scherzer to free agency. They lost uh, Corey Steger to free agency. Two huge pieces of that of that team, and still are expected to win not the, the NL West and her favorites to win the world series. So it's just a testament to just how deep and how well built this team is. Yep. yep. Any other subjects? Otherwise we can move into our final out of left fields slash miscellaneous miscellaneous talk real quick. Yeah. Let's do um, that. Oh, go ahead. 
Sorry, just real quick. I know that we talked about uh, Dave Roberts last time, but um, it seems as though Dave Roberts is uh, confident that something will get done uh, with an extension. So anyway. Yeah, it'll happen. Okay. I'll start with, uh, we're going to Valentine's Day now. First comment, red velvet flavor is just so good. Love it. (laughs) Red velvet pancakes cupcakes cake it's all delicious anyone that hates on red velvet don't know what's wrong with you so i added a little segment this is a one-timer it has to do with romantic movies comedies and romance in general and you're gonna have to give me a yay or a nay and if you haven't seen it then you just say no (laughs) so we're gonna start with the notebook yay or nay yay what do I say if I haven't seen it? No. No. I feel like that's that. confusing. Well, just say you haven't seen it. Abstain. Abstain. <laughs> I'll give it a yay. It was it's solid. Ten things I hate about you. I've not seen it. Mm, yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I'll give it a yay. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah, it was sure. Solid watch. Say anything. Yay. Abstain. The, that's the one that's the one with John Cusack on the lawn with the boom box, right? Yep. Yeah, it's iconic. Might be, might be one of the it. best of its uh, genre. Dirty Dancing. I haven't seen. <laughs> I'm really embarrassed to say that I've never seen it. Oh, I'm shit. not embarrassed at all. So good. It's a must watch. <laughs> Patrick Swayze kills it. It's a yeah, strong baby day. in the corner. Yeah. No, watch sure. it with your girl. You will not regret it. Titanic. I've always been a fan of Titanic. Yeah, I'm a fan. I, I kind of want to give it a nay. It's a little it's, long, though. It's promising in the second half. It's a two VHS tape, if anybody yeah, remembers. You yes. got to get up and change the tape. At, at Blockbuster, you get the big bulk. Yep. The Princess Bride. I haven't seen it. <laughs> I have to say yay. Well, I, 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 think it, I think it's a yay anyway. It's, it's a great movie. It's another strong yay. And finally... Beauty and the Beast. Uh, it must have been two when I saw it, so I'm abstaining. <laughs> Classic yay. <laughs> Classic animated yay. <laughs> that's all I got. I know there's a lot more, but let us know that's what your a, favorite that's is. That's an interesting list you got there. Just random movies. Yeah. Coneheads. That, that I'm recommending for Valentine's. I don't know if Coneheads fits that. It doesn't. I... Those are movies to watch if you need a Valentine's Day movie. So there you go. Any final thoughts? Jake, you got anything? Uh, I uh, yield my time. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do my idiot tweet of the week then. Uh, this is three weeks running. Week one was Ben Verlander. Week two was Brittany Matthews, a.k.a. Patrick Mahomes' fiance slash wife. I don't know which one. Uh, this week we go to Washington commanders, their new name, the former Redskins slash former football team, defensive tackle, Jonathan Allen. Uh, he had an ask me anything on Twitter and someone asked him, you can have dinner with three people dead or alive. Who are you inviting his answers? (laughs) My granddad, Hitler and Michael Jackson. Now someone asked the same guy asked him for a follow-up two of the three. I understand. But please explain Hitler. Jonathan Allen goes on to state, he's a military genius. 
and I love military tactics, but honestly, I would want to pick his brain as to why he did what he did. I'm also assuming that the people I've chosen have to answer all my questions, honestly. So aside from the obvious, which is what more do you have to understand about Hitler and why would you want to have dinner with him? My biggest gripe with this tweet is him calling him a military genius because Hitler was many things, uh, but a military genius he was not. He was arguably the worst military tactician in the history of Earth, or at least the modern era. Uh, I'm not going to bore you uh, with a ton of history facts, but just to name a few, the slowed advance of Dunkirk, uh, Stalingrad, Battle of the Bulge, Battle of Kursk, blew a three to one lead in the Battle of Britain, never withdraw mandate, didn't let women work, constantly overriding generals. Bottom line, you cannot find one historian on, on earth who would call Hitler a military genius. So Jonathan Allen, first of all, you need to pick three better people to have dinner with. Second of all, you need to do some history learning. I just find it just baffling to me that you would pose a question of ask me anything. And the question is, who would you want to have dinner with? And you just whiff like that, you know, like that is like a, a, a layup of a question, Straight just, up softball. Softball. just, just, you know, three historical figures that are, you know, uh, acceptable, you know, in Hitler, you just, you, it's so hard to get that question wrong. And he got it he wrong. He got it wrong. And, and, you know, it's like, you're not even going to talk about, I mean, my, you know, say what you want about Michael Jackson, but the fact that he was yeah. the least controversial of the three. Well, the dude's, like, his grandpa, I guess, is controversial. But now with, with those two other answers, you got Michael Jackson mirrored in controversy. Hitler, I don't even have to say anything about. What did this guy's grandpa do? Maybe we should look into what his grandpa did because now I'm all sus on his, this dude's grandpa. And who knows if the grandpa would even want to go to this dinner. I mean, does he get a say in this? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he, he could have saved it too. He could have been like, and Hitler so I could kill him or something. But no, it's Hitler to find out about his military genius. And also, I read that he was up for the uh, Walter Payton Award. Yeah, he is up for the Walter Payton Award. And hey, look, I'm not holding this against Jonathan Allen. I get what he was trying to say. Uh, I get that he wanted an insight into the most evil person in maybe ever. Uh, but the delivery was just so poor. Uh, and he obviously doesn't know anything about Hitler if he thinks he's a military genius or that he doesn't know he, why he did what he did. Because I think it's pretty obvious about why he did what he did. And he was pretty, yeah, he was pretty, uh, he wasn't hiding anything in terms of why he did what he did. Yeah, it's not really this big mystery, Jonathan. Uh, I think he just needs to like learn, do some reading, watch some documentaries, and then he'll, he'll change his answer. All I'll say is I think he surpasses Verlander in the I, rankings. I don't. Mm, I, no. I still think Verlander is worse. Because for what I just said, I get what Jonathan Allen was trying to do. He just, the execution was just horrendous. And the knowledge was just not there. He obviously just doesn't know anything about Hitler. To me, to me, the Verlander one takes the cake because it's not only the wild accusation, but then the, the then the subsequent yeah. walk back of yeah. it being like, oops, maybe. Well, maybe. I don't, it's not even a walk back. It's just like, I don't walk back what I said, but I have no idea. I, I was just talking. <laughs> I was, I was literally just talking. Yeah. Did so Verlander, yes, Verlander is, is my still number he, one. Does he still have the tweet up? Probably, yeah. I don't see That's going to be hard to talk. Because the other that guy one's going to be hard it. to talk. Well, you'd be surprised on the internet. So we'll, we'll stay tuned. As of now, Ben Verlander is still the king. Alan deleted his. So yeah, he apologized. 
All right. Well, I don't have any final thoughts other than we'll see what happens. They're going to meet this Saturday. Maybe baseball will be back. Probably won't be. So don't get your hopes up. Uh, Lakers didn't do anything at the deadline. Shame on them. We got a Super Bowl on Sunday. Rams, Bengals. We already talked about it last week. Going to be a great game. Uh, I think the Rams win by a touchdown. I'm going to say it right now. Pretty confident in their defensive line. And cool. All right, everyone. Yeah, I'll, be, I'll be out there at SoFi covering it for, uh, for CBS. So that should be cool. I'll be in a Reno casino sports book. Uh, if anyone wants to send me any player props they like or anything they like, I'll be happy to uh, talk about them with you. Cause I'll be uh, being a degenerate. <laughs> what's uh what's what's, do you know, a player prop that you're going for right now? I do. I'm going to take the over on Joe Mixon's receiving yards. Uh, he's the Bengals running back. If you're listening and don't know who that is. I think the Rams defensive line is going to get to Burrow quick. He's going to have to check down a lot. I believe it was 32 yards last I checked. So I, I, I like that bet a lot. Okay. I took the over on the Bengals punter. Three and a half was the over under. I think the Bengals will punt four times plus. You going to bet on the, uh, on the length of the national anthem, David? No, I don't fuck with that. I, I never it's it's yeah it, it's it's not a it's not a certain but you know what i would love to like know a, a national anthem singer at the super bowl and like be in on it with like hey i'm gonna go over this time you know that'd be mm-hmm. pretty hype like pull yeah, like a you be. know a, a congress insider trading nancy pelosi type thing yeah that'd be pretty hype i don't even know well, and, and mitch mcconnell to be impartial mickey Let's go both sides mickey of the aisle here Biden? i'm not familiar with her. I'm, pu- I'm pumped for the halftime show too it's gonna be good I don't care. I've never cared about it, and I never will. It's going to be dope. They're uh, blasting Red Hot Chili Peppers and um, another band, but because they don't want to hear, they don't want to hear anyone in Inglewood hearing the rehearsals. So they got yes, something. They and got something, also, a little inside epic. tip: they um, they positioned so where they have the media set up for live shots is in this in the SoFi parking lot, but it's like, it's like miles away from the stadium, but you can see it in the background of all the live shots. They have speakers um, directed up at the, uh, the riser playing just top 40 hits so that nobody can hear what's being played uh, at SoFi there. Nobody can see any of the, uh, or hear any of the rehearsals too, which is, that's going above and beyond. I got a, I got a buddy who works at SoFi stadium as the, uh, event manager or something i can find out for you guys if you care i saw dr dre at coachella 10 years ago he brought out tupac who knows who's bringing out this time yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a huge surprise i heard and david won't care well you should care because kendrick lamar's dope la guy Eminem's dope not an la guy dr dre la guy don't care i think's there la guy David's like Rachel Dratch and SNL. They're going to play California there. Love. Kenley Jansen's going to come out. He'll be like, yo. Yeah, I doubt that. But Clay He's Kershaw's not coming out to that there. song anymore. Yeah, he quit yeah. that after he got booed. I know. Clayton Kershaw will be there, though, so that'll make me happy. Yeah. I doubt they show him on the screen, though. <laughs> they will for sure show him on the screen. Well, I'm not on our broadcast. Probably on the SoFi. Uh, I bet. Jumbotron, but I doubt. Why wouldn't I, they show him on, why wouldn't they show him they on show NBC? Him. That is like the perfect segue for the announcers to talk about. Oh, did you know Clay and Kershaw and Matthew Stafford? Oh, yeah, they're going to be all over that. Okay, I'll take a bet with you both of you right now that they don't show them on the broadcast. Why wouldn't they? 
I don't think they will. It's the Super Bowl. They got bigger things to talk about and people to show. I'm telling you, it's going to be a huge thing. All right, we can do a Kershaw friendly there. Bet. Kershaw there to see his see his his childhood friend in the Super Bowl. All right. I Which, got by 10, the way, I, I don't got, think I don't think that I don't think that they were that close, but they weren't. But I got ten bucks on that they don't. All right. All right. I'm in, I'm I'm in, in. for ten. All right. All right, you folks, you heard it. It's a contract. It is valid. All right, we got to sign out. Everyone, enjoy the Super Bowl. Have a great Valentine's Day week. Do other cool February things. I know there's a lot going on right now. With that being said, we're signing out. Goodbye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.